Welcome to the Tune In and Level Up podcast. I am Glenda Hovenkamp, your host, and so happy you tuned in for a few minutes of leveling up together. I love having deep conversations on meaningful topics, some spiritual, some practical. Come as you are, tune in while walking, cooking dinner, driving, or just putting your feet up at the end of the day. Here's to both of us getting some takeaways that help in our leveling up journey. So today I am visiting with Debbie Cracker from Dog Alliance, which is a, an organization in my community where I live in Cedar Park, Texas. I actually live across, across the line into Leander, Texas, but it's literally the matter of maybe a mile away from uh, Dog Alliance's location. So hi, Debbie. How are you? I'm good. Good. So I drove past your location for a long time thinking maybe you boarded dogs there. I didn't really know what was going on at Dog Alliance. And until a friend told me kind of what you guys were doing, because she, I think, had come to you guys for some dog training. And then full disclosure, at some point I was one dog down because usually I would have two dogs at at a time at home of our own family pets. And we lost a dog. And so... While we were kind of grieving the loss of that that pet, I got in touch with Dog Alliance, and I actually volunteered one time and kept one of your dogs that you guys were training. And so, why don't you tell our my listenership what Dog Alliance does, and then I'll dive into some questions if that's okay with you. Okay, so. Uh... Dog Alliance, our mission is to um, improve the community through programs based on the human dog bond. And so that is a wide ranging, um, that's a very broad mission, if you think about it, because dogs can do so many amazing things. So some of our bigger programs is we provide for the family dog, we have classes seven days a week, and it's basic manners, puppy manners, socialization for your family pet. In the summer, we welcome children with their dogs and about 400 campers every summer come for summer camp. So that's the things that the general public interacts with us the most with. Um, Our kind of our more community-based therapeutic programs are we train service dogs for veterans, first responders, and now civilians. Um, And we also have a program called Train Your Own Service Dog so that... um, Civilian, anyone who is disabled in Texas that qualifies for a service dog can bring their dog to us and we will work with you to train the dog. And then the third, there's a few other smaller programs. Um, One is that we have people have their pet and they train them to be a therapy dog. And these therapy dogs visit hospitals, schools, nursing homes, and libraries. Um, And then we also have a kind of a very small niche program in that we have a academy or school within the Dog Alliance that trains future dog groomers. Wow, I had no idea you were doing all those things. So when you referred to the summer program, to summer camp for children, are they just, it's a day camp, so they go home at night with their dogs, or are they actually staying overnight? No, they, the dog's So it is either in the morning session, nine to noon, or in the afternoon, one to four. 
by the time we get to the end of those three hours, the dogs are all passed out. <laughs> so <laughs> we don't I keep them overnight. Only, we send them home nice and tired. <laughs> I can only imagine. So years ago when I, w- I got to volunteer for you guys for just maybe a four day period, and I was actually relieving one of your foster families that kept this dog on a um, an ongoing basis while you guys were training this baby okay. and it was maybe a four or five month old black lab just a beautiful puppy and I think they that this was one that you were training to be a service dog so you, you want to talk about your puppy program Yes. So puppy raisers are the, our biggest need right now. If you ask me, Debbie, what do you need more than anything else right now? I would say puppy raisers. <laughs> so puppy raisers sound simple, um, but it's a big commitment. Um, but it's also a great opportunity. So our puppy raisers take the, the dogs. Um, I can go into where they come from later, but we get a puppy and we, the person takes the dog and they will come to class once a week. And then they'll go on outings with us once a week. And the goal is that we socialize and train that dog from the day we get it so that it will grow up to be a service dog that we will eventually match with a veteran or a first responder. So if people, go it, ahead. It's a, it, we cover the cost of the vetting and the food and all of that. Um, what the puppy raiser provides is essentially boarding, uh, boarding and training. Mm-hmm. So at that point, the, the main reason why I wasn't a good candidate to be full-time is because I'm a teacher full-time, and this was during the summer, so I was free right then, but I knew that come that come August, I was going to be back in school, and I wouldn't be available to um, transport a puppy to the classes or be there the way that I needed to be for that, that, pup, that future service doggy. But in all respects, that doggy just was like a normal little puppy, <laughs> just a, a playful, adorable puppy. And I could see how your whole goal is to just let them have that experience like a family pet, to be loved and cared for and welcomed into to a family. And it takes a host of volunteers because even your full-time volunteers who are going to keep those puppies need a break sometimes. So you need volunteers who will even relieve your your uh, host families so that they can maybe go on vacation without their dogs. Is that right? Yes, yes <laughs> absolutely. Yes. Every time uh, one of us goes on vacation, it's always a, you know, a scramble to figure out where, do, where are we going to put them? And it needs to be you know, these service dogs are raised very carefully. Like we are very, very careful about exposing them to the world, but in a way that doesn't cause them any sort of stress or fear. Mm -hmm. Um, Because if they do get spooked and it's really hard to untrain, Mm -hmm. you know, their reaction to something. Um, And so, yeah, finding them, finding um, homes where the people are on board with that approach is, is a challenge, right? And it's a big need. So let's back up and talk about where you do find those beautiful puppies. How do you pick out a good litter and and determine which dogs would be great candidates to be in your your training program? So when we started our service dog program 2014, we used a lot of dogs from shelters and we spent a great deal of time going and selecting the dogs and training them. 
the problem is that the success rate with dogs taken from the shelter is really low, like 20% or less. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a huge amount of money, quite frankly, <laughs> um, to train the dog. And then after six months, have them flunk out because, you know, they, as a puppy got scared by someone like a pizza delivery guy. So now every time the dog smells pizza, they act weird, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I mean, you just don't know what happened when the, when they were small. Um, so now we have since then have gotten accredited by Assistance Dogs International, and it is a worldwide organization. There's only 144 of us that have been accredited. Um, but the beauty of that is there is a breeding co-op. And that breeding co-op has been in place for 30 some years, a lot of data, very carefully tracked, um, making sure like the dam and sire both have um, birth service dog quality puppies, tracking all of the health, tracking long term and a particular litter. Did any of the other pups, you know, as they age, have a health condition? Um, tracking all sorts of data, they do testing for temperament, and then tracking how does that play out as the dog gets older. So as you can see, there's a lot of science behind that. We have been getting our dogs from them lately. And oh my gosh, what a difference. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) they're so much easier to train. Our success rate has gone way, way up. Um, It's really been a blessing. So yeah, when we get those little puppies, they are darn special the day that we get them. <laughs> so I I love just hearing the whole story of what you're doing. And um, I'm a dog lover. I, I just love my own dogs. <clears throat> I have two boxers and um, I've had, I mean, they're, uh, they're the number four and five out of a whole string of boxers that I've had, but regardless, I know boxers only live to be about 10 if you're lucky, sometimes only till nine. And so I totally get it. You want to have the healthiest dog you can get because once they're placed with someone who needs this service animal, you want them to have a a long healthy partnership together. You don't want them to lose that pet after a few years. And so, um, Let's switch our focus to the people that you're helping, these people who need service animals. And so how do you pair them up? How do you match them with the right person who needs a service dog? Um, so that a lot of times the dog's traits and personality will kind of dictate what we're looking for. Um, some dogs can handle a a person being matched with someone that has high anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, They have the temperament where even if that handler that they're matched with starts to escalate and get real nervous, the dog can stay calm, cool, and collected. Some dogs can't do that. Um, Some dogs are really, really good at retreating and picking up things and they, you don't need treats. They just like love to do it. So those dogs usually will match with someone who's in a wheelchair or a walker uses a cane because those dogs are going to get great delight on when their handler accidentally drops their keys and that dog's like, I'm on it. I'll get it. (laughs) Right. And they don't need treats. They're just like, I did it. I picked up the keys. Um, So 
we really look to the dog to kind of suggest to us what is going to be our best fit. Um, and then a lot has to do with, you know, at the time the dog is ready, what applications do we have on hand? Um, who's ready for a dog? And, and then we make a match. Um, at the end of the day, once we kind of have our idea of who's going to fit well, we have the, the, the person and the dog meet. And usually, if it's going to be a good match, I like to say that the angels sing. Um, I don't know how to describe it in scientific terms, but it, you you know it, you see it. Like the dog is like, it's my person, and the person's like, that's my dog. Like it, you just know it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of funny for us trainers. You know, we've spent two years training this dog, and it's like, bye, got my person now. <laughs> um, but that's what we want, right? That, I know it's that. a little like falling in love. I've I've done it. I know what you're talking about, Debbie. (laughs) Yes. You just bond with that pet. Yes. So um, uh, just so that our listeners kind of understand what, what amount of money it takes to get a dog from that, from zero, like ground floor to that point where the, the person that has their service dog, how much, I mean, do you, are you relying on donations or grants, or where's the where's the funding coming from, or does the person have to pay for their service dog? So the dogs that we train using puppy raisers or staff, we provide for free, and all of the money to support that comes from donations. Um, the VA likes to refer people to us, but the VA does not contribute one darn penny. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a whole nother story, but. <laughs> It doesn't make sense to me, but that, that is what it is right now. Um, so yeah, it, it's donations. It's a lot of, it's grant writing. It's corporate sponsors sometimes. Um, we'll have corporate sponsors where they give us a certain amount of money and we embroider their logo on the vest that the dog wears when they're out in public. So then every time they go out, they see a plus federal credit union or net spend or whoever it is that has sponsored that dog. Mm-hmm. Um, and then individuals, there's a lot of people in our community that are very generous and they will donate money so that we can provide these dogs. I love that. All right. So if this is not too personal, can you tell us what it, what the cost is to train? And I know it's an approximate figure because one dog may need more vet care, whereas another doesn't. So, but in general, about how much does it cost to train one service animal? So you should sit down. <laughs> it's a big number. <laughs> um, so before I tell you the number, I'm gonna, you know, let's let's think about what's involved here. We're boarding and training the dog for two years. Mm-hmm. We're providing all of that care for two years, which includes if they do things like I had a foster dog last week that got bit by a copperhead and it cost me fifteen hundred bucks. Yes. Right. And I got off easy because the vet said, usually it's about 3,500. Mm-hmm. Um, she was a small dog, so we didn't need as much anti-venom. But <laughs> the point is that, they, you know, they do ear infections. Every time the dog gets an ear infection, every time you have to do a fecal exam, um, they go through numerous collars. They have to have crates and toys and treats. We go through at least several bags of treats every day. Um, you have to feed them. If you have an 80 pound lab, they eat a lot of food. Mm-hmm. Right? And so if you add up all of that, um, you also have that we have people dedicated to fundraising, we have a facility. Um, we 
once we place the dog, we support that human and that dog for the entire life of that dog. And so, you know, they change jobs or they have a baby or the dog gets um, attacked by a dog in Walmart that's a pretend service dog, right? And now we need to retrain. All of that is included in the cost of the placement. Does that okay. make sense? Yes, it does. Um, so what would you guess that all that adds up to? Oh, man. <laughs> I would say $25,000. Pretty close. I am. My best guess is it's about $50,000. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Right. But um, think about all the hours. And this is two years of work before we hand that dog over. So mm -hmm. and then a lot of care after and not every dog makes it right. So sometimes mm -hmm. we'll spend six months or nine months training a dog and then it fails out. And so when you kind of put all those numbers together and divide by the actual successful placements, you get a number of $50,000 a dog. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I, I just want to tell our listeners because I've been in your facility, I've actually been into your a couple of different buildings and senior setup. It's the most beautiful uh, animal facility I've ever been in. It's it's gorgeous from the outside. Looks so pretty that anybody would be proud to have you in uh, in the neighborhood. But it's really really nice inside. I've actually even been into where your little kennels are, so I could see the dogs. And it, it's just it's amazing. It's stunning. <laughs> Um, you. So you're not just fly by night and you're, it's not like any governmental um, humane society. It's really, really, really nice. Um, so, so I can tell you're here to stay. <laughs> yes, we're here to stay. Yeah. And part of the reason we have keep our facility really, there's a variety of reasons why we keep it very nice. Um, so our entire emphasis, our mission is to make dogs part of community. And, you know, dogs that are service dogs need to be well behaved and they're going to go everywhere their human goes. Mm -hmm. And so our facility, some of the buildings look like your living room and they're kept very nice. And they look that way on purpose because we want people to realize that you can train a dog and have the dog in your home and still have a nice home. Mm -hmm. Right. And so there's a there's a method to our madness. <laughs> Um, we also have a lot of our clients have PTSD, they have anxiety, they have, um, a lot of them have autism, right? They have, there's a lot of mental health issues that our clients have. And so by having a, a very nice, well-maintained family room kind of setting, we are putting them at ease. That is our goal. We don't want it to be clinical. We don't want it to be loud. We don't want it to smell, um, because we don't, we want them to be as comfortable as possible in our home while they're with us. That makes total sense. Um, so before we close in a minute, I'd love to just shift our focus for a second to maybe a story or two that come to mind when you think of success stories. And I'd, I'm not expecting you to disclose somebody's identity or anything, but could you share some success stories of how some lives were made better by being, you know, you making this lovely match of doggy with, with person? Yes. Um, one that really like strikes me and like keeps me motivated is a dog we placed with a veteran who um, was just about ready to get divorced from his wife. Um, he was very volatile at home. 
um, always losing his temper, angry, um, just, you know, an unhappy gentleman. Um, he had two daughters and they were like young teens and they were afraid of him. And so, you know, there was no relationship there and the wife was ready to leave. And so, um, you know, the man, part of his stress was he was trying to go to a job and he'd come home and he was stressed and then he's got kids and kids make noise and he was already over threshold, right? You can just kind of see that um, those things kind of build on each other, right? And so we got him a, a service dog, we matched him and all of a sudden the work at the stress at work went way down because now he had his battle buddy with him and it gave him comfort. Um, we taught the dog to do some tasks to basically alert the guy when he was starting to stress or ramp in anxiety. And so then the dog would either nudge him um, and say, hey, let's, let's go out, right? I sense that you're getting upset, let's take a break. Um, or the dog would like lay over his lap and just that deep pressure, bring him down, right? And so they were a very good team and his stress at work reduced. So now he could do more things at work. He wasn't as volatile. He came home, the dog reduced his stress at home. He had to take the dog out to the park. So he'd get his girls to come along. And then a few months later, night and day, the wife is calling us saying, thank you. You saved my marriage. You saved my home. You know, you changed it for all of us. So I feel like, you know, we saved the guy, but we also saved his daughters and his wife as well. Oh, I love that story, Debbie. That is so sweet. And I know you probably have a whole collection of stories like that. And that makes me so happy. I love mm. that. I, dogs can make such a difference. I know I, I'm a pretty healthy person <laughs> most of the time, mentally, physically, spiritually, and emotionally. But my dogs make a huge difference in how I feel and they add so much to my joy and happiness. And so I know you're doing that for these people as well. Thank you so much for visiting with me. And I'm so glad to know more about Dog Alliance. I'd love to find ways that I could contribute in the future. And so I'll be leaving information in the show notes. And um, I just want to thank you. I appreciate what you're doing and for sharing with me. Thank you. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Tune In and Level Up. Please come back. Until next time, let's make every day and every opportunity count.